together on Wednesday. My name is Pastor Jonathan. I'm the associate pastor here, uh, along with the other pastors. I work with young adults, and of course, you've seen me um, doing some worship. And uh, tonight, I'm very privileged and honored to be here um, in, in many different ways. Um, I, love, I love this church. I love what God's doing here. Um, I love, uh, I just want to thank, I know Ross is not here, but I just want to thank him for his leadership and for him constantly nudging me to say, hey, come on board. Um, uh, Because I was about a year and a half um, doing itinerary pastoring, working out throughout all of Santa Rosa, working, uh, preaching in Casadero and Windsor and uh, Roanoke Park at times and I went once into the Central Coast and preached and just had a really fun time, but it was it was great to have him just welcome us in, and plus the pastoral staff has just been so incredible um, to work with, and the staff, um, the interns, and everybody has been such a delight. My family has grown tremendously being at The Rock, um, so you're in a good place. If you're here for the first time, you're in a great place uh, where the word where the word is um, glorified. Um, Jesus Christ is lifted up, and where we exalt the Lord and encourage one another. Well, um, with that, I, I wanted to um, just share with you tonight, really, it's, this is going to be a testimony, um, and it's going to be a testimony after the testimony I gave when I first got here. Um, this is the uh, arrival to The Rock and an experience I had last year that was hard, very difficult, and um, so I'll, I'll be sharing that a little bit more, but more specifically, we'll be looking at the scripture that God put on my heart through the whole time of hardship. And it is my hope that at the end of tonight, you may walk out of here with a right perspective of grief and that you would know that there is a purpose and a reason for going through grief, especially as Christians. Um, This is really important because I know that some of you out there are facing your own hardships and trials. I know I'm not the only one. Um, you may have just received the news uh, from your company that you are no longer, your services are no longer required. You may have had that routine doctor check and realized that it's a little bit more severe than you thought. Or you may have been disappointed by a loved one, or even worse, you may have received the phone call that one of your loved ones is gone. And I want to tell you that grief comes to us all. That as As humans, we all face some type of pain and suffering. But as Christians, it's how we process that grief that's the most important. It's how we mature in in and through those griefs. And God has revealed through his word the right way to respond to grief. And tonight in particular, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, how he shows Um, how he handled his type of suffering. So if you would, if you'd turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
We're gonna be reading verses one through seven, and then what I wanna do is I wanna hone in on the two verses that God was putting onto my heart through the time that I suffered. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints through Acacia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Those are great words. Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to watch over our time together. Heavenly Father, Lord, as you've said in your word, you are the God of all comfort. And I pray that, Lord, you would put your arms around everyone here tonight, Lord, who may be going through some type of grief or sorrow or sadness, that you would be that God who consoles their heart and their mind and their soul, that you would put a peace in their mind that would guard their hearts in Christ Jesus. God, that you'd be the lifter of their head. And Lord, I pray that you would use my testimony, Lord, and the scriptures, Lord, to glorify your name, that you, you would get the honor tonight, Lord, that you would have the front and center seat in our souls. God, that you would be lifted up and that you would teach us how to comfort others when they're going through the same type of thing. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let me just share with you what happened, what transpired. Um, my, my family has been, uh, has, has been through a lot. My father passed away when I was three. My brothers were 12 and 15. Um, I have four brothers, um, and uh, two of them are foster brothers, and two of them are blood-related. And my blood-related brothers are Dan and Dave. And Dan, um, ever since we got married and all of our families kind of moved in different directions, Dan wanted to get the brothers together for reunions. And so we would take some time, sometimes we'd be on a boat up at the Puget Sound fishing, uh, last time we were together, we were actually in Nevada. We went to Boulder City, Nevada, and we um, went around Hoover Dam and explored Boulder City because that's where Dan was born. And of course, the conversation was wrapped around my father and um, just being good parents, you know, and it was really nice. Well, recently, and I say recently, this was 2000, early 2016, or 2015, my brother Dan contacted me and said, I'd like to have a brother's reunion. I'd like to go to Hawaii. And, uh, and so that's where my, my other brother Dave is working at YWAM. And because I started work here May 1st, um, you know, I told him I, I just can't do it. It's just not gonna work. I've, I've got a lot on my plate and I'm just getting connected with the family here, and <clears throat> but go ahead and go for it. 
So Dan and Dave planned um, in the middle of August, the week of the 7th, to um, spend time in Kona, and that's what they did. And um, the report was amazing. They went hiking and fishing and swimming with turtles and surfing and, and going up waterfalls. And at one point, they located a hydroelectric plant, um, which is um, just a dream of my brother Dan because he's a civil engineer. And um, he just loves the fact of using uh, creation to, to bring power. And so here they are, and they get this, this one-on-one uh, trip to this hydroelectric plant. And so <clears throat> during that week, uh, Ross Fort Camp and I were planning for the Raging Waters trip for our young adults. And so we were getting everything together, we are getting excited. And that Saturday, we left bright and early. I had received a phone call from my brother Dave, um, but it went to voicemail and I didn't pick up because I was focused on you know, the, the, the day of fun. Um, and knew usually he, he calls with some type of goofy message. <clears throat> and so we're, we're down there and we're having a blast with the young adults and laughing and we get back late at night and we pull into the drive, uh, the, the rock parking lot and everybody's getting out and they're saying their goodbyes and so I pick up the phone and call my brother. And he relays this story. Dan and Dave on Friday night, the night before, we went to Raging Waters and they decided to go on a night uh, dive. My brother Dan was a um, certified scuba diver and he re-registered, got recertified. And so he was down there 50 feet down with manta rays. Um, the most amazing thing that they did was the boats would put these LED lights at the bottom of the ocean, 50, 50 feet down, kind of in the shape of a campfire. And so the light would cause lots of fish to just hang out. And so there was a good 25 um, divers down there. And so Dan was down there with a, a dive master and my brother Dave was up, up on the top snorkeling and kind of seeing the big picture. And at one point, Dan taps on the dive master and points to his chest. And so the dive master says, okay, there's some concern. So they started going up. Um, they, started, they went to a certain point, they decompressed. And at that point, my brother Dan lost consciousness. Um, he's 55. <clears throat> He's got three kids. Uh, his wife was in Chicago with her family. The kids were going off to college. Um, they, they brought him up. Um, they immediately did CPR on him. They rushed him over to Kona. They got him in the hospital. They worked on him for an hour and he passed away. So Dave was trying desperately to get a hold of me. And so here I am and I'm in this mix of emotion because I'm so excited about the young adults. I'm trying to be stable-minded and, and tell them I'm so grateful that we had a chance to have fun and at the same time, I'm struggling to not lose it. Um, um, my brother, my big brother is a huge part of my life. He is um, just an amazing man and so it was just this weird dichotomy that I was in. So. All the students left. Um, I sat down with Ross, uh, Fort Camp, and Sonny, and then the emotions just flooded in. Ross helped me, he, he drove us back home. And then to make matters more difficult, Sunday morning, I was leading worship. And I thought, how am I going to get through four songs? And the four songs were this. Stronger, um, 
see, it's in my notes, sorry. Stronger. Uh, um, just as I am. Um, great are you, Lord. And in the secret, in the quiet place. And I thought, I'm going to lose it in the middle of this, and I don't want to make a scene. And so I asked the Lord, please give me strength. And the most amazing thing happened because the peace of God flooded my whole body. And I had so much um, clarity of thought. And my first focus is, the first thing I'm going to do in the midst of my grief is I'm going to praise God. First thing I'm going to do is lift up the God who is above all the pain and suffering in this world. And so I want to encourage you that in that same way, that's where we're looking at in verses three and four. So if you could put three and four up there and let's read it together, again together. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So the first thing that we have to focus when we are dealing with grief and suffering is that when we're in pain, our sight gets distorted and manipulated and changed and altered because of our emotions. And the right way to have perspective is to remember who is in control. The Apostle Paul has written a first passage. He's written a first letter to the first Corinthians and they were going through a lot of stuff. They were going through abusive spiritual gifts. They were fighting. There was problems. There was discord. There was immorality. There was pride. And so Paul, in the midst of giving this really difficult letter, he is going through his own suffering and hardship. He's getting beaten in Athens. He's getting jailed. He's getting imprisoned. He's being falsely accused uh, in front of his Jewish uh, believers. So... Paul is going through this, so the second letter that he writes is more intimate and more personal. And this personal part right here as we're looking at it, the focus that he puts on the very first part of his conversation with the people of Corinth is the word praise, the first word. The word praise is also translated blessed. It is an action verb. It is requiring you to do something. When you see it in Psalms, it says, praise the Lord. It's not just, hey, let's just say praise the Lord. It is an action word, meaning let's exalt him. Let's talk about his name. Let's lift up all the attributes that he possesses. Praise is also to extol, to lift up, to magnify. Psalms 40, King David says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. If I want to be in God's presence, I will first thank him for who he is, and I will praise him, and I will enter into his courts with, with that praise. But why do we worship God? Why do we worship God in the midst of hardship and trial? We worship him because he understands, number one, our suffering. The Bible says that God is a God who is near to the brokenhearted in Psalms 34, 18. The Bible says that God knows us inwardly. He knows how we think and operate, Psalms 139. For you know my thoughts from afar. You know when I rise and when I sit down. You know my thinking even before it's on my lips. 
And he says, I will praise you for you have made me fearfully and wonderfully made. So God knows us intimately, but he also knows what pain is. Think about this. God knows the cries of his people in bondage to slavery in Exodus. God knows what it's like to have a nation of Israel that he loves turn their back on him for other gods in their unfaithfulness. God as a father knows what it's like to lose his own son to death. He is familiar with grief. But not only that, but God is the source of compassion. It says right there, he says, the father of compassion, that is the originator of compassion. Compassion is um, mercy. It is absolute mercy. Mercy is sympathy for someone of low estate. God is sympathetic for us in our lowly estate. Whatever we are faced with, he identifies with us. And he is the God of all comfort. That word comfort there is the word used paraclete. We've heard that before in John 14 through 16 where Jesus says, I go, but I send you another comforter, paraclete. He, the Holy Spirit, will lead you in the truth and he will be with you always. The paraclete is one who comes alongside one who is going through something and empowers them to do something that they can't normally do in their own strength. That's the God that we serve. The God who comes alongside us, instead of condescending and looking down upon us, he comes alongside us and says, I know what you're going through, but let me give you the power to get through this, and we're gonna go through it together. God is the source of compassion. I'm a father. Some of you fathers are out there. You understand what it's like when a child falls and hurts themselves. There is a deep-seated helplessness of trying to help your son or your daughter as they're going through their pain, knowing what it's like to suffer because you were a kid at one time and you stubbed your toe and you broke your ankle. You know what's going on. And as a parent, our heavenly father understands us. He understands the torment that we go through. Compassion in the Webster's Dictionary is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, listen to this, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Compassion is not looking at someone on the side of the street and saying, man, I I feel so bad for them because they're living on the street. Compassion is you are so overwhelmed inside of your emotions that it causes you to do an action to try, to try to help them out of it. We see that in the Gospels as Jesus looks over the congregation and he sees their suffering. He sees that they are, they are sheep without a shepherd and it says he was deeply moved. The Bible says his bowels, his insides were grieving because of their condition and he cried out and said, who will be their shepherd? I will be their shepherd. I will lead them I will lead them to the, the, to the uh, mount of the assembly. God is a compassionate God. And the opposite of compassion is apathy. Apathy is I don't care. Or someone else will do it. Or when you see something, you put the earbuds in and you walk away. Apathy is making fun of somebody on, on, because you don't like them. You watch them stumble or hurt themselves and you laugh about it. That's apathy. 
God is a God of compassion. He's a God who looks down, sees us in our suffering and our grief, identifies with us and says, I've got to do something about this and I'm going to do something about it. As I said before, when I got up to sing that Sunday, I called out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. And he came down and he poured out such a deep sense of peace and calm and such a a deep sense of singleness of purpose that my main focus was not the pain I was experiencing, but the joy of watching you worship the Lord, Watching, watching you lift up your hands and worship to him. God is also the source of all comfort. He's the source of all comfort. So we have that right perspective because of our worship, because of our adoration of who God is. God understands us. He knows what you're going through right now, tonight. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you have faced. He knows your past better than you do. He knows the kind of abuse you went through. He knows the sorrows and the sadness. The Bible says he holds our tears in a bottle. He hears our weeping. He hears us, he listens to us, and he responds to us. And that is the faith that we must trust in the Lord that as we're going through something, that as we cry out to him, he will answer us. Basically, there is nothing you could ever go through that God doesn't have the ability to comfort you completely in. In fact, he will overly, abundantly give you the comfort that you need, even beyond what you even expect. So we have to have a right perspective when we go through grief, but we also have to know the purpose of our grief. See, when we're in the, in the midst of a dark valley of sorrow, or hurt, we begin to look for reasons why we're in it, don't we? We want to know why we're going through it, why did it happen, how could it have been stopped, and these are natural questions of processing, because you and I are trying to make sense of it all. You're trying to figure out how it could have been avoided, but the difference between you as a believer and those who are not believing is that it is not meaningless. Your pain and your sorrow has a purpose. The world out there, when they grieve, they grieve without hope. There's no reason, rhyme or reason. It's just random acts of hurt towards them. But with us, with us God in his all-knowingness knows exactly how to utilize the grief that we go through to make us ministers of comfort to others. If I could give you a main point for tonight, it would be the person comforted by God is the one that can comfort God's people. The person comforted by God is the one that can comfort God's people. A.W. Tozer said this, before God can use a person greatly, he must allow that person to be hurt deeply. If you want to be used by God, guarantee God's going to take you through the fire. He's going to take you through the fire and he's going to cause you to feel deep hurt because just like Jesus, he wants us to identify with those who are, who are in sorrow. 
How could I get up and share about grief or pain or sorrow if I didn't go through it myself? How could I have the right words or even the silence and the hand over someone who is going through their pain if I didn't myself receive the same thing? And I wanna tell you that I thank God for this church because if I was still an itinerary pastor and not a part of this congregation and I went through the stuff that I went through in August, I don't know how I could have continued to minister. You were amazing to me. Pastor Ross made the announcement. He let you guys know where, where Sonny and I were. We went to the memorial. And when, you got, when I got back, I had so many hugs and so many, we are praying for you. And if you need a place to stay or you need a quiet place, come talk to me. That is the church. That's what the church is supposed to do. And you did it. And I applaud you tonight for that. That is showing comfort to those who are in, in sorrow. And I guarantee that it's gonna be reciprocated and it actually has because shortly after my, dad, my, my brother passed away, I had the opportunity to minister to one person in this flock who lost their son to an accident. And I was able to be there for her and to let her know you can take all the time you need to let it out into grief because someone gave me that grace and that mercy to do the same thing. So, I'm gonna make it really short because this is a testimony tonight. But I want, to, I want to challenge you as a body of believers. I want to challenge you as God's people that number one, your perspective would be right that if you go through sorrow or sadness that you would not begin to lash out at God but that you would actually praise God because of who he is. You're not praising him in spite of your pain, but you're praising him because he is the God and father of comfort. And he knows what you're going through. And he sees you in your distress. And he knows what it feels like to have the wind knocked out of you. To know what it's like to wake up and have a thought randomly about a moment that you had with a loved one and realize you'll never get to see that again. You'll never get to experience hearing the voice again. God knows you and he knows your sorrow. So learn to worship him, to praise him, to put him first. In spite of your pain, to not focus upon yourself because every time we go through sorrow, the first thing we want to do is we want to navel gaze. We want to say, I'm feeling pain. No one understands me or what I'm going through, but I want you to know that the minute you say that, you're forgetting all the other people around you who are experiencing even more painful stuff. And God calls us to comfort others as he is the comforter to us so that we're not to be self-centered and say, it's about me but that comfort passes on, it gets spilled out into our hearts and our lives, and then we spill it out onto others so that we as the body of Christ 
can be able to distribute the comfort God has given to us to the people in our congregation that are suffering and having hardship. So I wanna challenge us in that. The second thing I want us to be challenged in is you already are showing compassion. This already is a compassionate church. You already listen to people when they go through hardships. You already are wrapping your arms around people who are going through. And I want to say, continue to do it without growing weary. Because this is very unique for any type of church in this county, in this state, and in the whole world. I've never seen a church like this that comes together when someone is going through hardships. And that is a work of God. And so I want to commend you. Continue to press on being compassionate, showing comfort towards others. But even more, if you look at the world around you and you see the insensitivity to someone going through pain and sorrow, how much more we become a light and a beacon to this world if we ourselves show the same kind of comfort that God has called us, has, has given to us. I want to challenge you that you would, if you're going through your pain, that you would find somebody, take them aside and say, I'm really battling with something and I need your help. I need you to walk with me. I need you to be there for me. We are not to be like Job's friends. We're not to theologically try to figure out why Job is suffering. We're not to blame him for any hidden sins. What we are to be is the friend that sits in the ashes with Job, puts their arm around him as a paraclete, and empowers Job to stand up again and say, there is hope in our God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. As for me and my house, I will bless the Lord. That is the charge that we are to have in the midst of hardship and sorrow. Do you need comfort tonight? Fix your gaze upon the God of all comfort. Do you want to be effective by comforting others with what God has given to you? Do as Jesus commands us. Freely you have received. Freely give. Let's pray. Lord, tonight, it's just a small little time where we have to, to gather to think about, Lord, 2 Corinthians and the comfort that you've given to us, the consolation that you've given to us, that God, you are the God who reconciled the world. When we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. When we were turning our back upon you, Jesus, you were saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. You were the example of comfort. To us. And Lord, if there is anyone here tonight that is battling through their own sorrow and hardship and they're doing it secretly, Lord, hidden so that no one else sees, Lord, I pray that they would have the courage to say to someone, would you come alongside me and help me through this? And Lord, for us as a body, I pray that we would continually be the light upon a hill, that we'd be the light that shines the glory of God in the face of hardships and trials. Lord, that we would be like James who, who says, count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations. 
knowing that it produces endurance. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us that endurance to continue on, to press on in the midst of pain that you would bring comfort to our hearts and then we could be able to comfort those who are going through their own losses and tragedies. Lord, may we be a church that continually puts Jesus first in the front and center of our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that wraps our arms around our brothers and sisters and says, it's gonna be okay, I'm with you. I'm with you and I'm gonna hold you through this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.